a few days after our last chat, which was two weeks ago on the morning show, John attended the Waters Governance Board meeting. No, 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 uh, no not that one. That, that, that's the one about how to deal with sewage and stormwater and such like. This was about freshwater. Oh, so this is the so local group that's supposed to watch over what's happening locally. Uh, no, this is regional <laughs> council. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so this is the freshwater workshop. Yes, yeah. Right. So what came out of that? What, what did you get out of that, John? Uh, well, it was the first of, I think they said 10 of them. So they're going around the region presenting these and trying to get some idea of what people want. So they, they've been given a rather awkward piece of legislation to... Um, translate, and so they're asking people what their views on the translation might be. So generally, what's the legislation saying? Um, I was hoping you weren't going to ask that question. I can't remember offhand. Does it have a name? Uh, it did. I've forgotten it. Is it uh, something to do with fresh water? Yes. <laughs> and it's um, it's something about the health of the fresh water but, yeah. um, and the, the mana of the fresh water. So there was quite discussion on what mana meant. Mm. Um, and th- nobody seemed to have a clear translation of what it means from Māori to English. Was so it's one of those words that's got lots of implications in Māori, but it's hard to put it into any particular English word. I mean, we have it's a, it's a word that's that's shifted over to be used by you know non-Māori speaking people. I even heard it used in the US, um, although they use it not in a very appropriate way. I feel that's just my interpretation. But but there is a there is a deepening understanding of it, but um, I yeah, guess you're right. I think we're, now we're getting like it's talking about legislation and regulations. The technicalities start to come into play, and that's that's a whole new scenario, isn't it? Well, it's some new legislation which the government's given regional councils the job of implementing to try and improve freshwater, um, and so they uh, w- w- one of the problems they've given them. I think the phrase was manaratuai. Yeah. Um, so to try to work out what mana meant and the, the, um, for once there were quite a number of um, people from various hapu around um, yeah. at the meeting so um, unlike many meetings where you, you don't see a Maori side of the population all that much but um, th- this was well represented Yeah. Uh, so there was quite a discussion from people who um, are um, fluent in te reo um, even they were struggling to say exactly what it meant. As I say, there's quite a few concepts and phrases which um, don't translate too well between various languages. Yeah, it might have to be something that's tested, ultimately tested in the courts, which often can happen with the legislation. Like yeah. Ultimately, things are, well, the finer the, details are worked out in the courts. The, the, the point of doing the consultation, I think, was to try and have something take to court if that ever came to it. Right. One uh, thing I would say is that it is significant in the sense that, I mean, it's basically saying that our water has inherent, should be treat, inherently treated with respect. And given that we come from the Western culture, treats everything physical just purely as a resource to 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 be just used as and when you see fit. I think that's significant. Yeah, because there was a discussion about the legal rights of being given some rivers, such as the Honganui. Yeah. Um, and so there was the thought that maybe that might be part of it. But there were all sorts of ideas came up. And it was a long session. It started at, what, 9.30 and went through till 3. So, right. Um, and covered various aspects. And um, as I say, it's just the first of um, ones which are going to be held around the region. 
Was this the thing, uh, sorry to interrupt, that that, um, Fred was talking about with you when you did your interview a few weeks ago, and he was saying also that there was kind of like some rating system for the harbours about what what condition they were in, and that tended to affect how well they'd be looked after in the future? Uh, Well, that was also mentioned because Fred was there as well. Um, Eventually, Fred was late because he'd been told it was one o'clock at the motel, whereas it was 9.30 at the school at the church hall (laughs) whether fred had muddled it up or whether somebody had muddled it up for him (laughs) i don't know yeah um, his colleague pamela story was there on time um but i didn't see her talk to fred all morning and she left in the afternoon so (laughs) there's folks there are so many issues on at the regional council at the moment that that all sorts of thoughts are popping into my head but we won't get into speculation we'll just stick with the subject of the water because i mean it's important why did that just happen you're still having problems with your computer, are you? Which I was having problems with when I did my show last week. No, we fixed that. That's because the screen died, John. Well, not okay. the screen, but the, the graphics card died. And we couldn't tell because we were both trying to remote. Do it remotely. Con- yeah, yeah, so we couldn't tell that the screen had died. We just knew things were very wrong. Uh, but that's a new thing. That's just popped up. I don't know why it didn't need to, but it has. Okay. So that's another thing for me to fix. I fixed the screen, but now this week I've got, yeah, there's always new things to fix around here. And the journalist and the DJ, but also a technician. I think, I think it's a bit heavy to call me a journalist. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, I have no qualifications in that area, and I'm rather opinionated. Anyway, uh, back, to the fr- back to the fresh water. Uh, I know that other people were there uh, like a long time ago, and you may have been, been involved with this, there was the Environment Centre when it first started uh, worked out a, a catchment plan for the Whangaroa. Yeah, that catchment. was mentioned as well. And yeah. uh, there's a move to revi- revise that and update it. Yeah. So hopefully that will be part of this new plan when it comes forward. But it's one of these things that's probably going to take a few years. So yeah. um, they've got a timeline to deal with it in, and their aim is to try and avoid all the pitfalls by going around and talking to people which to my mind is the way that all these things ought to work you go around get an idea of what people see as the issues the problems the options the solutions um and, and then you start making a plan which is what they're doing now there's um it'd be interesting to see the discussions they're having in some of the more conservative rural parts of the region uh, the concept of mana being applied to freshwater um people will have strong opinions about that i feel <laughs> Yeah, it seemed to be accepted pretty much at this meeting. Um, yeah, did they start in Raglan? Yes. Yeah, I reckon that. I think they thought let's at least have a, our first one can be a, a a good session with with a coordinator from Raglan as well, a facilitator from Raglan. So yeah, yeah, yeah good facilitator. A good facilitator is important when you're talking about controversial stuff. Obviously, it wasn't controversial here, but uh, it is true, nonetheless. So, yeah, I mean, it had obviously been well thought through as to how you deal with difficult situations like that. And it, it didn't arise in the meeting we had. But, yeah, you could well envisage that some parts of the region it might. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So so basically this whole process has been kicked off and no one's entirely sure what the outcome is, except that the freshwater should be better protected by the end of it. Yep. And in a region where it hasn't. This is probably one of the worst regions for protecting our fresh water, isn't it, in the and country? There was, there was a bit of an insight into the dispute between our two councillors on regional council as well. So. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't I see I, you've got a picture of Fred Litchbark up there on your screen. So. Well, because we're moving... I think, the ne- is he the next thing we're talking about? Because he's been uh, given his full 
rights back as regional councillor for the last how many months get before the election? About four or five. Oh, the the election well nomination starts in July and the um, voting starts in September October. I've forgotten there. I think the uh, usually October. Our oh, voting starts probably it, it September finishes and it in finishes October. in October. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so Fred, our regional councillor, was suspended uh, because of it says here three complaints of angry and abusive behaviour in November 2020. Um, he's and he was been suspended for quite a while, which means he was still a councillor. But he's disputing that those complaints, as did a report which largely vindicated him, or at least the way he was treated. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Fred does have a reputation for being fiery. I don't think it's controversial to say that. Um, I've had lots and lots of people report that to me. Um, but I think what's int- intriguing about this is that the regional council chairperson, Russ Rivington, was was uh, replaced, voted out, and a new one was put in place, Barry Quayle. And then one of the first things they do is get Fred back on um, as a full councillor. So he couldn't. what couldn't he do? Well, that was a split vote as well. So our other councillor voted against him being reinstated. So... so the re- just, I don't need to give the background. The region, Waikato region, from Taupo up to Auckland, across to the Kaimais, um, is broken into wards, and our ward's quite big. Well, our ward is the Waikato District Council. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just to add to the confusion. So we do have two councillors. One of them happens to live really local, and there's a local identity. That's Fred Litchwark. Um So I just... It was a split vote. It was a, probably... That 10-3 split is probably the same as... Was it a 10-3 split to remove Russ Remington? No, it was uh, some people have changed sides since then and um, supporting Fred rather than being on the other side. So, there um, does, in, including Barry Quayle. So he voted to keep Fred, whereas he voted also to keep Russ Remington. Oh, did he? And Barry Quayle's now the chair of the regional council. So was he perhaps seen as a relatively neutral candidate to to take that, the that's council That's presumably forward? why nobody else put their names forward as chair. Yeah, yeah. That well, that's kind of mature of them. Really, to do that, to say, okay, we've had this upset, now we're going to find the actually the best candidate, not the one that we're behind. You don't see that at, um, <laughs> nas- at the national level of politics, do you? Well, I think the compromise candidate may, may be rather than the best, but yeah. Well, I think, and I feel like in this case, the compromise candidate is the best candidate, just because of the the scenario and the fact that Fred's immediately reinstated after Ross Remington is removed suggests that there's issues there. And I did like Barry Quayle's comment, like. He's he's had his punishment, and it's time to actually let him be a proper councillor again. Like he did see, a, you know, he did make that point. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Fred's been working hard on council issues, even though he wasn't allowed to go to meetings. So. Yeah, so he could he could still vote, mm-hmm. and he could attend the council meetings, but he couldn't go to workshops and things. Yeah, right. All right, and he did. But that one's still to run out in the courts because Russ Remington now seems to be taking it to the courts on the basis of the interview that I did with Fred. <laughs> yes, I, if, if folks don't know, I received an email from one of Russ Remington's staff saying, could we give them a transcription of John's interview with Fred? And we don't have a transcription. Well, actually, the absolute truth is we did make one using an automated system to base as the basis of an article. But there's no way that anyone should be using that uh, in, a, in a legal setting because it's the computer's guess. It basically guesses when it doesn't know what to do. So uh, I wouldn't call it highly accurate. So I just emailed back and said, "Well, you've, you've clearly got the audio, um, so um, you should use that." 
and I haven't heard anything since. But um, I, I had a quick listen to the start of the audio, and like the very first thing Fred says is about R- Russ Remington being his favourite divisive politician. It's something about getting what he deserved, or something like that. Not those exact words, but <laughs> or might have been actually. It was pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had this discussion last time, and concluded well, it was rather surprising that politicians were expected to come into debates with an open mind. Did we decide that? <laughs> well, they should. No, I expect them to, but it would be foolish of me to think that they actually would yes. <laughs> all the time. Um, and Fred, Fred did apologise. It says here, a number of councillors said an apology from Councillor Litchwark was still required and if made would help us to move on. During the meeting, Councillor Litchwark, quote-unquote, totally apologised for any upset he had caused. So... Yep, so this one is probably still going to keep making the headlines as we surmised a fortnight ago. Yeah, it was in the Herald as well. That's always a bad sign if uh, that sort of thing gets in the Herald. But, um, yeah, it's time for us to move on. Uh, What else have we got, John? Um, Well, Council had a meeting yesterday to talk about earthquakes and earthquake buildings, um, but that doesn't include Raglan. There is some debate as to whether it includes Tikofita or not, because it's right on the boundary of what's classified as medium and low risk. So there were some engineers here testing the walls of the town hall a few months ago. <laughs> they had little devices for, I think, for detecting um, steel reinforcing, and they did, were quite, did a quite thorough check over of the town hall. So why is that not... Well, it, it's still an, it's still an issue to make sure that the buildings are earthquake proof, but it's a matter of how quickly they need to be done. Okay. So th- th- this hearing was to work out which ones were next to places that lots of people walked past. So if this was the, an earthquake prone building in an earthquake prone area, then it would need something done quickly because people walk right next to the building. Is is there a? I know th- I know that we're not in the high earthquake zone here uh, compared to other parts of the country we still We're are in the low, earthquake zone. low zone yeah, yeah but the, that's three zones that's low for new zealand mm-hmm. you've got to understand like parts of the rest <laughs> of the world that would we'd be quite a high zone um but i guess it's a matter of finding money to fix things up uh we are in a i mean we've got parapet walls above us right now yep and in an earthquake maybe they would fall in on your head john or uh, maybe they would fall out onto the footpath where the people are walking past i would have thought this was quite an important building to yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up at the ceiling and working out which bits were more liable to fall than others. But yeah. the, the ceiling won't stop the parapet walls. Trust me. Um, I don't know. I don't know for sure if the parapet walls would um, come off. But given the building was built in the 30s, when earthquake standards were quite um, a lot lower. Yeah, they built it to be fireproof because the previous town hall burnt down. So. Yeah. Well, if there was a fire here, the ceiling would would burn up real really quickly. Or at least the structure holding the ceiling, because I've been up in the ceiling and it's um, very dry remu, just like the, the the wharf building when it burnt down the um, the, the roof there just went woof. <coughs> Will it, John have a cough? Yeah, sorry about that. And um, so uh, so they're focusing on areas that are apparently um, a higher earthquake risk than anything in Raglan. Is that what you're telling me, John? Uh, well. It- uh, yes, because they're, they're classifying Huntley and Naroa here and possibly Tecofita has been more high risk than Raglan is. Okay, all right. Um, so so that, that was a discussion yesterday. Um, they also talked last week about the rate for um, the food waste collection 
And I think you talked to Lisa about that over a week ago. Hey, no, um, I just have to go back a step. I'm looking at, I'm just bringing up these maps because I'm familiar with them and I've been in the building industry and, oh, maybe, yeah, all right. Okay, I see that one there, seismic building risk. Fire. Yeah. Sirens going off if you're a long way from Raglan that you can't hear the siren, the siren's going off. Uh, the siren seems to be going off quite frequently in the last day or two. So I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure it's fires. Is it too wet? Well, no, you could easily burn your building down even in rain, I guess. But Maybe somewhere it's flooded. That's, yeah. All right, uh, sorry, John, let's go back to what you were talking about. Yeah, um, so the food waste collection, um, they not surprisingly agreed to a $72.90 rate. Um, I was quite surprised when I looked at the agenda to see that it had um, an awful lot of detail in it, um, including lists of who said that they supported it and who didn't, um, including names. So there was a name of somebody, and they said, do not publish. Yeah, actually, there it was with their name and do not publish. So I'm looking at a copy of it now. It says his name, then brackets, do not publish. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, he's, I, I know the person. He's reasonably well-known in town. I, he might be a little miffed if he knew this was the case. We're not going to say it on the air, obviously. Um, I also noticed you found that... Um, that um, Your children are in there, yes. You include my one who's under 18. Yeah. How yeah. much rent do you pay them as tenants? They're described as tenants. They're on a really good deal, let's just say that. <laughs> a very, very good deal. Oh, it's a round number, John, a very it, round number. It shows who's a tenant and who's a homeowner, which I would have thought shouldn't be there. In, and there's an awful lot of things that council keeps secret, and I would have thought... This sort of privacy, the things yeah. that keep get, get kept secret. That feels like a privacy breach. Um, I'm n- not particularly concerned, but yeah. Um, the thing, the thing that I was interested in is the the way that people voted, uh, depending on whether they lived here, owned a building, were tenants, or anything like that. And uh, so this was the thing here about. F- so it was overall, it was fifty five percent of. People who responded uh, supported the targeted rate. Well, people they counted as supporting, as responding, because I responded, but I'm not in there. Oh. <laughs> so, so I just wonder how many others are. Well, so, that, so what was the number of people officially who responded? It's like It was quite a lot, 600 and something. Yeah, yeah so that's minus the ones that, that they seem to lose on the way. Yes. Yeah. Was mine in there? Oh, my kids yeah. was in there. So. Uh, yes, you were in there as well. Okay, all right. Uh, so 55% of local property owners... So I know which way you voted and your children. You, you all voted the same way. Oh, did we? Yeah. All right, there we go. Um, about 55% of local property owners uh, voted for it. So that's exactly the same as the overall um, result. 85% of tenants voted yes because they don't technically pay for the rates although they do because they pay for it through their through their rent. 30% of holiday home owners, so these are the people who live outside of the community, voted for this. So that's a, that's significant to me, the people okay. who don't live here and not really on board with the whole thing. 62% of landlords, uh, so even local landlords are all good. And, well, not all, but you know what I'm saying, that's positive. And 81% of business owners supported the targeted rate. Yep. Um, and some people did ask to be anonymous, and they are listed as anonymous. So they didn't totally give up on that, but they seem to have had at least one uh, one person that they didn't take any notice on that one. So Maybe they didn't tick the right little box or something. Yeah, so if you want to remain anonymous on these things, <laughs> uh, it's as well to check. Yeah, so now, John, do we know, is this just for one year? 
Are we going to have to go through this again next year? Uh, no, once they set a rate like this, it keeps going until they decide not to. Okay, and we know that in a few years, uh, our council, the rest of our council will catch up with us and the rest of the country pretty much. Like everyone will be doing food waste, um, except maybe rural people who don't get that kind of pick-up service for their waste. Yep, then remains to be seen whether we stop paying the rate or whether they just let it carry on. <laughs> we pay more than everybody else. No, because, well, uh, so the rural people, and someone already objected on Facebook, oh, the rural people don't have to pay this rate. I'm, always, I'm sick of hearing people moaning about rates. That's why I do the silly voice. Um, but no, the rural people haven't, they don't pay for the for the rubbish pickup because they don't get the rubbish pickup. They don't pay for water or sewerage because they don't get those services. So, and I know, especially in a rural district like this, that the councillors would be really averse to making the rural pay, people uh, pay for things through the general rate that they don't, they don't get. But the question remains where the rural people should... Oh no, we'll move on from that. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was also quite an interesting breakdown of where the responses came from, whether they were from council's website or through their Facebook page and things like that. So yeah. it's interesting to see that sort of breakdown. It'd be good to see it for all the responses that council gets. And so what did we learn, John? Um, well, th- 33% were from a search engine. Uh, no, sorry, I'm reading the wrong line. Um, th- 33% were from the um, Shake Waikato website, which is the one that Council set up specifically for this consultation. Yeah. Um, 19% from the Council's main website, uh, 11% from a search engine, and... Um, or 37% from social media, so presumably that was mostly Facebook. Um, so it's interesting to see that social media is the highest response rate in there. So they so they saw the thing on Facebook, clicked on it, and went to the website to fill in the form. Is that what we're I getting? I think that's what it means. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. That's that. My screen's gone dead over here. <laughs> So some some of us put in submissions linking it with the airfield and the amount of money that council had spent on the airfield um, and suggesting that if they could afford that, they didn't actually need to charge us $72.90. Um, so those, I think, are the ones that they've not published. Um, oh, really? But I don't know how many of those there are, so it would be interesting if it was possible to find out. But I, no- I noticed the airfield's open again, or at least heard that the airfield was open again. Um, but it was only last Saturday that there seemed to be all that much noise coming from it, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. There were things, fly- like I remember at the kids' soccer scene, planes flying around above. It didn't click that, oh, that means the airfield's open. But there were like little gyrocopters and things. That's what everyone was looking up, going, what's that? But, um <laughs> Because um, one of the things which should have been on the agenda of the last community board was one of the reports on how long it takes for council to deal with requests. And for some reason, they've still not published that one. Um, but that one showed 0% for dealing with the airfield issues. In terms um, of doing it in, in a certain amount of time? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's obviously creating problems for them and that brought down their average um, so there's presumably some pressure to get things done there um, Okay, we've probably covered everything that I've found on council issues um, there is the, the uh, consultation for the reserves management policy we just had our local reserves management plan 
Is this the same thing that they're now consulting on, general policies, reserve management? No, this, this fills in the gaps on all the other reserves that they've got. So the reserve plans were for the coastal reserves, which are just the main reserves along the coast, whereas this one is for all the other parks and open spaces and such like. Okay, all right. So it probably won't override the specific plans for each reserve? No, it, won't. Reserve. it okay. specifically says it won't override it, but it sets general principles, and if the other plans don't cover them, then you look at this one and see whether there's anything in this one. So can we safely ignore this one, John? Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> unless, oh, okay, all right. I didn't think you'd unless say you're, that. Unless you're interested in the airfield, in which case it says that the airfield should be remaining as an airfield so that's the, oh, probably it? the council's main justification for keeping it open that doesn't that doesn't actually tally with what council managers have been saying during this debate about the airfield like right from the start they said it's not running an airfield is not a business they want to be in so well, maybe, except maybe they seem to have changed their mind on that and certainly there's no change to this bylaw i mean it always has well, been in there so it's not a new thing but. i wouldn't say they've changed their mind i think they've they, they're waiting for the um, negotiation to happen between Iwi and the Crown about what's happening with that piece of land, and then they'll go from there. And in the meantime... That in the meantime, they're spending 150 or 200000 on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. I know, and they could close it. Um, we know that there are mechanisms for doing that temporarily first and then long term. But now I think that everyone's got their backs up. No one can see eye to eye, and um, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it seems, seems to be the way that we started talking about disputes between two groups. Right? Yes. Yeah. Should we have a little break, and we'll just um, organise amongst ourselves what we're going to do. Uh, Probably talk about history. Yeah, all right. <laughs> 